From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Representative Beto O'Rourke is running for Senate in Texas, and that may be the understatement of the year. His campaign, which was largely sort of on the back burner for the better part of a year, has suddenly caught fire. He's the subject of a multitude of profiles in both the music and political press, and he just seems to be catching fire. He's got Republicans in Washington worried about Ted Cruz, the incumbent Republicans' re-election race, and there's just a lot of attention being paid. However, Nathan Gonzalez, my colleague at Roll Call and the publisher of Inside Elections, has a little bit of a different take. It's not the criticism, per se, of Beto O'Rourke and his campaign, but simply a deeper look. Nathan noticed that of the 39,000 words approximately, and I even undershot it a little. You undershot it a little (laughs) bit. 39,000 words, 15 profiles in publications as diverse as the Washington Post and Spin Magazine and GQ and Town and Country. And uh, the, the sort of all, all of the live streaming, there are a couple of things that are uh, unmentioned in these profiles, and we're going to talk about that today on Political Theater. Nathan, after reading 39,000-plus words and 15 profiles and watching a lot of videos and so forth, uh, what are some of the things that you thought the profile writers might have missed and might have made some of these profiles a little bit more uh, rounded and contextual? I think maybe the biggest lesson out of O'Rourke's rise is choose your uh, your band names carefully because you never know how much attention they're going to get <laughs> later in life. Uh, one of my college bands, the Pluto Hot Dog Union, I don't think I'd want that to be uh, on your resume widely publicized well, as, now as gonna, Foss. Now it's going to be there. Um, yes, this so, Foss is his band that he sort of uh, formed with his mates uh, in his youth in El, in El Paso. There's, uh, there's YouTube coverage of them on a sort of a Christian public access show in El Paso. It's, it's almost debatable what you, how you'd classify them. It's, it could be punk. It could be prog. It just could be terrible. It, it, could, it could be a, a number of things. <laughs> so there's an advantage, I think, to covering races for a while. And uh, Congressman O'Rourke was first elected in 2012 by defeating a Democratic congressman, Sylvester Reyes, um, in the Democratic primary. And that is usually mentioned in these profiles. But I think it was missing some context. And I think the congressman is portrayed as this uh, anti-establishment outsider, sort of reluctantly being pulled into this ra- into this race against Ted Cruz uh, by a movement, and, and he's, while, he's been drafted from the punk yeah. rock bu- uh, realms. Right? And really, at the time in 2012, there was a local uh, a local movement uh, with a former state senator and a, and a former mayor looking for young progressive leaders to take up to win local offices and to eventually. Uh, rise through the ranks, and O'Rourke was one of those. He was a tech. He was an El Paso city councilman uh, who they wanted to take on uh, Reyes. Successfully defeated him. But one of the things I think was interesting. Another thing is interesting is that no serious Hispanic candidate sort of challenged him in a majority Hispanic district. The district is about 74% Hispanic according to voting age population. Mm-hmm. And I found that odd. I mean, when you look at other majority minority districts, someone like a Steve Cohen in Memphis, I mean, he's locked that down. But he used for years, he would consistently get an African-American challenger. But no one uh, no one in the 16th district of Texas in, on the Hispanic side would step up. And I think it's because they knew that this was just part of the plan. O'Rourke was going to be there for a few terms, go on to, to do something else, and they could step in. And that's why, 
you know, now uh, Judge Veronica Escobar. She was mentioned in 2012, didn't run, didn't run in 14. And now when it's an open seat, she she ended up running and winning the primary. And just a little bit about Reyes. I mean, Sylvester Reyes uh, it w- was the first Latino from that area, elected from that area, um, first Democratic Latino. Uh, but also, I mean, he was an ally, uh, considered an ally of leadership. He was close to Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic leader. He's also a former Border Patrol agent. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, his his record was, you know, up to scrutiny as as one gets uh, when you when you're in Congress for that long and in public life that long. And and also ran what by most accounts was was a somewhat lackluster campaign. It almost brings to mind uh, Joe Crowley, who lost to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez in New York, where uh, there there were sort of he had this open record that you could mine for opposition research, and people just kind of got used to him, and maybe he got used to running easy races. Right, and the shorthand for the race in these profiles largely. Um, has been, well, he was an incumbent. He had support from former President Bill Clinton. He had support from President Obama. So he was this establishment juggernaut when actually the local, what I, the local political forces, I think, were behind, uh, were behind O'Rourke. And, and Beto O'Rourke, I mean, so, so there, it, it sounds like an Hispanic name, right? I mean, Beto is, is a nickname for somebody from, for, it's short for Roberto, but his, his given name is Robert O'Rourke. He's of Irish descent. Much is made in, in a lot of these profiles of how handsome he is, that he, he, he has this sort of the look of a Kennedy, uh, and, and some would say sort of a Kennedy touch as well. But he is not Hispanic. Not that I'm aware. Someone on Twitter last night tried to convince me of that. I'm still looking for the the evidence. But, you know, and to his credit, you know, he he won that race. Defeating an incumbent is still difficult. He won the race. He's been considered a a hardworking member of Congress with good constituent service. He just hasn't had anywhere near the national profile now. And it's it's a snowball effect that... You know, once twenty people write about him, the twenty-first wants to get in on the action, and and or do a podcast on him, uh, <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> so one let, but let's look look at the race itself. You and I have been discussing the race for a little while. We have sort of different approaches to talking about it. I mean, his his background and and a, a sort of a solid political career, and he was in business before. I mean, so he he's been and he's a known person in in El Paso his family's been there for a, a long time so he was he didn't come out of nowhere but then he also did develop this this political career which is not an easy thing is the is the campaign real i mean we have we have all these reports Mitch McConnell was talking to reporters in Louisville uh, th- this week and said and he identified Texas as as being one of the the races that are is going to be close he thinks that Ted Cruz is going to win uh, there's some weird dynamics there because Cruz and McConnell have had a an uneven relationship <laughs> um, but is is the campaign uh, that Beto O'Rourke running, is it, is it something that we need to pay attention to in the run-up to November? Yeah, well, I wonder if McConnell's dream scenario is holding the Senate or gaining seats in the Senate and losing Ted Cruz. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think O'Rourke has, O'Rourke has to be taken seriously. And, I, I've, you know, I've been saying this for months. So anyone who's raising that amount of money you know, you have to take it seriously, even in a big state like Texas. We know Rook's probably raised a million dollars since we've been talking uh, on this podcast. Um, so it has to be taken seriously. I think he can get, you know, 45 percent, 46 percent. But each of those percentage points beyond that, I think, are difficult. doesn't mean it's impossible. You know, in writing the, the piece that I just did for Roll Call, it doesn't mean I think O'Rourke can't win. I just think it's uh the partisanship. We have a very partisan country. Texas mm-hmm. is still a very partisan state, and it's going to be. Uh, I think it's still. He's he's the underdog. Now we uh, 
earlier this, uh, actually last month, we did a, a video where we were talking about some of the campaign ads out there and, and O'Rourke's one minute long commercial, uh, which was taken largely, I think, from his live stream on Facebook and, and taken on, on iPhones and so forth. We discussed the, you know, that, that ad. We're, we're going to play a little clip of it. We've been in Houston. We've been in Dallas. We've been in Austin. We've been in Georgetown. DeSoto. Waxahachie. San Benito. Bryan, Texas. San Marcos. Being here again in Amarillo. Just human beings, real people making this happen. Regardless of party or background or geography, we have to be the inspiration for our fellow Texans and our fellow Americans. No one will be taken for granted. No one will be written off. So one of the things that you and I discussed about this is that, I mean, for me, I, I see echoes of Obama in, in this, in this uh, campaign ad, that he is connecting with people, uh, that it is, it is a largely kind of amorphous message. He's not, uh, I mean, he isn't, when asked about uh, topics, whether it's the national anthem, whether it's uh, the legalization of marijuana, whether it's ICE, uh, I mean, he, he does answer, but he's largely, the, the message in this ad is that he just wants to connect with people, that he wants to go to all, all of Texas's <laughs> counties, and there are a lot of them, and Texas is a gigantic place. Uh, and and you gave me that point, but then you also had a different feeling about like what what else may need to come. Yeah, I you know I understand if if he is a conventional Democrat running a conventional campaign in Texas, he's probably going to lose conventionally like every other Democrat has over the last which, decade. Plus. Which kind of consists of running up the um, score in Dallas and Houston and Austin and trying to lo- limit your losses in in you know the suburbs and rural areas. I just think at some point, and maybe he'll do it. You have to do some of the basics, meaning you have to. Tell people your name. You have to, uh, you know, give them some sort of, you know, run on some sort of issues, even if they're vague. But that specific initial ad was really just a guy standing around listing names of towns. I mean, that was it didn't even at the very end. He said his name in the disclaimer. He kind of mentioned some corporate no corp, no no packs go for the people type at the end, but it was very brief, you know. So I, I think, you know, he comes from El Paso, far west Texas. You know, there's a there's a whole state that he still needs to introduce himself to. Earned media, meaning, um, you know, news coverage could F- probably get, him, or so, can get him part of the way there, uh-huh. but part of that's national, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's up to him. At the end of the day, you have to turn all of this money, turn this movement into votes. And, you know, it's possible. The worst thing that any handicapper can do is say that someone can't win. We right. should have learned these lessons by now. Right. But, I, you know, I still think it's the burden of proof is still on the, the Democrat side. So one of the things that I was wondering about as, you know, we sort of sifted through that, that ad, too, is that it almost seems intentionally not slick. I mean, you see him... Uh, running in a race and he's sweaty and and like when you're when he's in the town halls they emphasize like these huge crowds but they also emphasize him just talking to like you know the the relatively intimate uh, settings and you know the I think it was in Ben Terrace's profile of him in the Washington Post Ben you know mentions that there are times in the live stream when he burps or farts or cusses or you know does all the unflattering things that come along with being constantly on camera is is this I mean, it, it's weird when you contrast it with Cruz. I mean, Cruz is criticizing him for for some, you know, for for cussing and for trying to, you know, kind of be run this kind of slick sort of thing. And I wonder 
is just the contrast alone worth enough that because some of the some of this race is about Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is is a you know I mean he was a phenomenon when he was elected in 2012. Uh, some of the sheen uh, the shine is off so to speak because he's not as likable when you stack him up against Beto in in some cases. Yeah, if this ends up being a personality contest or a popularity contest, o- O'Rourke's going to win. If it's if this devolves or, or shifts to a partisan contest, then Ted Cruz is going to is going to win is going to win re-election. Um, yeah, you know, I think that there is a certain cry for authenticity. I mean, that word is kind of becoming overused and cliche, but I, I think that's an effort on O'Rourke, and he's he's given reporters, you know, access. You know, I think that's part of the reason why there are so many profile pieces, because reporters can come and follow him around and and and, and get these stories. But it's e- Echoes know, of the Straight Talk Express in 2000 yeah, with John McCain. Which, you know, didn't exactly get him all the way right. to where he wanted to be uh, at the end of the day, but it was effective. It was at least effective in, in getting him pretty far. Um, you know, uh, what makes me nervous about handicapping the Texas Senate race is we really have a lack of data. I mean, ultimately, this comes down to the polling and comes down to the numbers. And when you break it down, Ted Cruz, I think, feels pretty confident in in, in his numbers and, and the partisanship of the state. O'Rourke doesn't believe in polling, apparently. And the outside groups and the parties don't believe enough in the race, I think, to do polling of their own. Democrats are kind of leaving it to O'Rourke to pay for his own campaign because he has the money. Republicans really don't want to spend money right. <laughs> defending Texas. If you're so, spending money in Texas, so that means you're not spending it in Montana or North Dakota yeah. or Indiana. So we're floating in this weird space with limited data, and that makes me a little concerned that we're all making assumptions based on our, our prior uh, our prior theories, and that could lead to, to wrong conclusions ultimately. Now, the president is slated to go down there next month and rally for Ted Cruz. That's another strange dynamic along the lines of Ted Cruz's dynamic with Mitch McConnell. They had certainly a, a sort of a vicious campaign. But also the animosity between the two men is was very evident. Ted Cruz did not endorse him uh, in Cleveland, even though he had a prime speaking slot at the, at the convention in Cleveland. He at one point called the president a congenital liar or something along those lines. The president accused uh, Ted Cruz's father of being in on the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's never the, forget. Yeah, it, it is this sort of strange phenomena. Uh, and as you mentioned with the polling, Rourke, that seems to be part of the appeal too. I mean, he's. He doesn't have a, what we would consider a formal campaign manager. He doesn't have a polling, you know, guy, and he's spending all this money on on connecting, like by you know, on gas. It sounds like uh, going around all all these Texas uh, communities and and these huge ads. I mean, a, a one minute ad in Texas in multiple media markets is really expensive, but he still has more money than Ted Cruz, apparently. Yeah, no, uh, you know, and and anytime, usually, I mean, I've been candid this whole time, but usually when a Cam, when a candidate says they're not going to use consultants, like, well, they're probably going to lose. Because, I mean, consultants, not all of them are great. Some of them get a bad bad rap. Maybe they aren't great. But there's a reason why these consultants do some of the fundamentals of campaigns. It's because it works, or at least it gets you part of the way there. And so, you know, just to throw it all out, uh, you know, I'm still a, a little bit leery. But, you know, I, I think people are... I think Republicans are finally maybe taking him more seriously, O'Rourke more seriously, and, and we'll see how it ends up. Regarding some of the parallels with Obama, I mean, Obama was elected in 2004. He kept a relatively low profile as a senator uh, and then started running for president really at the end of 2006 to the beginning of 2007 and, and didn't serve out a full term. And O'Rourke has been also sort of quiet. One of the things that I thought of was that uh, er- earlier this year I wrote a um, as, as part of the CQ magazine sort of 
you know, rising star edition. I, I did a, a twofer with O'Rourke and Will Hurd, who's in the 23rd district in Texas. He also, he's a, you know, kind of a, a young aspiring, you know, kind of a star, but he's, he's a Republican. But they did this road trip, you know, when there was a hurricane to, uh, on, and live streamed on Facebook from Texas. And they, they came, they became kind of close and said nice things about each other on the floor. And I thought, you know, this is interesting because Hurd, you know, faces a tough race. O'Rourke's running for Senate. Uh, they're, t- they're two good congressmen, collegial congressmen who may not be here in, in 2019. Obama also had this friendship with Tom Coburn, a uh, conservative Republican from Oklahoma. They were actually close on a, on a personal level. Do you see any other kind of parallels with, with Obama? And, I mean, Obama did run for Congress before, losing to Bobby Rush before yeah. he won his Senate seat. Is there, are there any other kind of parallels? Because they're, they're both obviously looked upon as these insurgent uh, candidates, but they, they were plotting a political future for for years yeah i think you know the the longer you stick around the longer you're in washington as elected official you start to gain some of i think the baggage or the negative connotations people have of washington uh the longer you're in 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 the house or longer you're in congress in general the more votes you're going to rack up that will give the other side uh ammunition for up for those attack ads so the idea of kind of the the one and done or the the up and out quick quick movement it might be advantageous because you don't have pile up all those uh, negatives and that's one thing I think Republicans have to do is remind people of O'Rourke's issue you know his positions on the issues he does have positions on issues mm-hmm. it's just that a lot of these people they see the the interviews or they see the movement the excitement the yard signs the the rallies and they don't you know understand there's a stark contrast between the two men um, on individual things it's a, it's also it almost might be an indication of of you know a lot of the issues that Republicans thought that they were going to be running on like the, the tax you know the tax overhaul vote I mean O'Rourke voted against it but it doesn't seem to have that much currency and it seems to be kind of overwhelmed by one the president and then other sort of national issues is that do you think that's what's happening yeah in Texas? I think the race is likely to shift into sort of the typical social issues where uh, where the where Cruz and O'Rourke disagree, and I think Republicans will try to make point out that contrast and really drive the base. If Republicans turn out the base at normal levels, and I think it's going to be difficult for O'Rourke, even if there's a surge in, in some of the uh, more Democratic-leaning parts. Well, uh, we're obviously going to keep uh, reading profiles, right, Nathan? Are you done? I, I have that? to take a little break. <laughs> you I have think, to take a little break. I'll, I'll still be paying attention. You've read a novel about Beto O'Rourke at this point, uh, worth of, of coverage. Well, thanks again uh, for talking about this. We'll probably bring it up another time. Thank you for joining us here on Political Theater. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite apps such as iTunes, Radio Public, or Spotify. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including Nathan's profile of Beto O'Rourke, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.